If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, America decides on the very day when in-person voting starts in some battleground states. President Trump comes out with a new timeline and promise a coronavirus vaccine for every American by April. With 46 days to go, the long lines today as early voting begins in four states. I am concerned about my vote counting. Tonight, counting your vote. A CBS News special report on what's being done to safeguard your vote in the midst of a pandemic. Coronavirus on the rise. Two weeks after Labor Day weekend, infections spike. America nears 200,000 deaths, with 16 states seeing an increase in cases. And in Las Vegas, a 1,000 casino workers test positive. Plus an update tonight, why the CDC is reversing course on who should get tested. Only on CBS News, we have exclusive access inside a factory that will mass produce one of the leading COVID vaccines. Time's up for TikTok. The world's most downloaded app is about to be banned by the Trump administration. What it means for 100 million users in America and all those viral videos. Record storm season, there's tropical storm Wilfred, and here comes Beta. Will another hurricane make landfall? And CBS's Steve Hartman is on the road with the tale of a strange chair, a strange tattoo, and the army of strangers that brought them together. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. And as we come on the air tonight, the country is closing in on a stunning and sobering number, one that would have been hard to imagine just a few months ago, 200,000 deaths from coronavirus. And with cases and deaths once again on the rise tonight, President Trump is now saying there will be enough vaccines ready for all Americans by April of next year. Now, that's a timeline his own experts say is not realistic, as none of the companies developing vaccines have finished testing them. The continued confusion comes as the CDC is again changing its guidance on who should get tested for the virus after political appointees overruled government scientists and softened guidelines last month. Now, at the center of all of the back and forth, the looming presidential contest, now just 46 days away. Tonight, the election is entering a crucial new phase with in-person voting now underway in four states. Look at this. Voters in the Democratic stronghold of Northern Virginia waited upwards of four hours to cast their ballots today, a sign of what's to come this election season. We've got a lot of new reporting to get to on this Friday night, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Paula Reed is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the White House. Good evening, Paula. 
Good evening, Nora. The CDC's decision to revise its guidance about who should get a COVID test comes amid heightened concerns about the White House's political influence over the nation's top health agencies. Tonight, despite there being no currently approved COVID vaccine, the president made a promise about when he can deliver one. We expect to have enough vaccines for every American by April. That's different than what CDC Director Robert Redfield testified to earlier this week. If you're asking me when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at third, late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. The conflicting messages over a COVID vaccine come as there are dire new developments. Compared to two weeks ago, infections are up in 16 states, plus D.C. and Puerto Rico, and the number of deaths have jumped in 10 states. His announcement came just hours after the CDC reversed its controversial guidance issued last month, stating that people who are exposed to the virus do not need to get a test if they have no symptoms. CBS News has learned that guidance did not go through the CDC's clearance process and was reportedly published over the objections of scientists. This is basically uh, an abuse of power. It's an overriding of science by politics. The president has repeatedly argued that the country has a high infection rate because there is too much testing. Because of all these tests, we have far more cases. But the guidance issued today clearly states that anyone with close contact to a person with COVID should get tested. Today, the president dodged questions about a report that the administration had intended to send masks to every American household, but instead sent them to nonprofit organizations and state and federal agencies. Nora. All right, Paula Reed, thank you. Both President Trump and Joe Biden are campaigning in Minnesota on the state's first day of early voting. The land of 10,000 lakes hasn't gone Republican for president since 1972. President Trump narrowly lost there four years ago, and this time he hopes it goes differently. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Long packed lines at this polling place in northern Virginia today as the first voters began casting ballots in person, also in three other states, including Minnesota. Yes! Hello, Minnesota. Both the president and Joe Biden are fighting for votes here, where polls show Biden with a solid lead. The president trails the former vice president nationally and in most swing states, dragged down by his handling of the coronavirus and the state of the economy. He doesn't have a clue how to be president. After touring a carpenter's training facility outside Duluth, Biden blasted the president as out of touch. I spent a lot of my life with guys like Donald Trump looking down on me. Looking down on the people who make a living with their hands. Biden is here to show that he and his party aren't taking the industrial Midwest for granted. Biden's devastated the island of Puerto Rico. Meanwhile, the president made a play for critical Puerto Rican support in Florida, arguing Biden had failed them and announcing new federal funding for the island worth $13 billion. I'm the best thing that ever happened to Puerto Rico. But Mr. Trump for years claimed Puerto Rico was corrupt and got too much federal relief, even after being devastated by Hurricane Maria three years ago. The president continued his campaign to mislead and raise doubts about mail-in ballots. We have a lot of very important decisions coming down on this on the scam of unsolicited ballots, where they're sending out tens of millions of ballots to everybody, people that didn't expect them. People are getting inundated with ballots. They'll be showered with ballots. 
That's not true. Just five states hold predominantly mail-in elections, while another four and D.C. are sending out absentee ballots to registered voters. Meanwhile, a federal judge in Washington state is blocking changes at the U.S. Postal Service made by Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, a Trump ally. The judge called him a politically motivated attack that likely would slow the elections. Nora? All right, Ed O'Keefe there in Minnesota. Thank you. And along with those long lines we just showed you, those who vote before Election Day can expect big changes at their polling place. CBS's Major Garrett looks at the measures being taken by election officials to keep in-person voters safe. It's all as we begin our new series, America Decides 2020, Counting Your Vote. Talk to early voters standing in line six feet apart in Virginia today, and you'll hear a lot of this. I wanted to cast my vote in thinking that anything could happen. This is so important. More than 60 percent of voters are expected to cast ballots before Election Day this year, either in person or by mail. That's up from about 36 percent in 2016. Republicans are more likely to vote in person this year than Democrats. Hi there. Recent slowdowns at the U.S. Postal Service have some voters nervous their ballots might not reach their destination on time. Mark Harrell voted in person today. I want to make sure it's deliberate, that it's consequential, and that it's counted. Yeah, we're six feet right here. Coronavirus concerns have forced elections officials to find larger venues that allow for in-person voting at proper social distance. If you gave us the library to vote in in a normal election, we requested the gym. Sports stadiums and concert venues will serve as vote centers in Los Angeles, Maryland, D.C., and Atlanta. The Franklin County Warehouse in Columbus, Ohio, is being retrofitted to accommodate 150 machines for socially distanced early voting. This old shoe store is now a depot for protective equipment that will be distributed to poll workers. Make sure your voter has a mask on. The county is training about 4,500 poll workers to staff Election Day precincts several of whom will be brand new to the process. The average age of a poll worker in Ohio is 61 years old. Uh, so obviously there's a, there's a large section of our poll workers who may not work this cycle. Ohio and many other states have had to recruit younger poll workers. That has required lobbying businesses to give employees the day off or, in some cases, send out catchy appeals on beer bottles. That's actually true. So far, it appears to be working. Officials we've spoken to across the country tell us recruiting and training are at or ahead of schedule. Nora? So many important details there, Major. Thank you. And to learn more about voting in your state, go to cbsnews.com slash vote. You can also download the free CBS News app on your phone. Tonight, the countdown begins for a government ban on TikTok. The wildly popular social media app will be unavailable for download. That's starting this Sunday. Now, it is owned by a company backed by the Chinese government, and the Trump administration considers it a national security threat. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. TikTok has become a go-to forum for celebrities. Millennial influencers. Oh, my God, I'm on the moon. And an estimated 100 million Americans, young and old. The Commerce Department's announcement didn't slow the app's popularity. Today, it was among the top downloaded. But its ownership by Chinese company ByteDance has made it a top national security risk for the Trump administration, with its massive trove of user data accessible to China for intelligence purposes. We have to have the total security from China. We're just no, we're not going to do anything to jeopardize security. 
Along with TikTok being kicked out of mobile app stores on Sunday, WeChat, popular with Chinese Americans, will also be banned. When you go on TikTok, it connects back to China. And, you know, you could harvest that data if you wanted. Any IT company that lives in China could become a tool of espionage. President Trump has demanded TikTok be sold to an American company. Oracle and Walmart are in talks. But today, the clock has started for China to make a TikTok deal. And so the next deadline is November 12th, when TikTok will no longer be able to operate in this country. TikTok says that it disagrees with today's decision and that it is still negotiating with the U.S. government. Nora. All right, Jeff Begays, thank you. The death toll continues to climb from those wildfires in the West. In California alone, that number is up to 26. And we learned today of a firefighter who died while battling the El Dorado fire. That's near San Bernardino. That blaze was sparked by a smoke-making device used to reveal a baby's gender. Officials have not released the firefighter's name. Now to the COVID crisis tonight as the U.S. closes in on 200,000 deaths. Europe is seeing an alarming spike in new cases. The daily number of cases across Europe is near peak levels from April, suggesting a second wave could be on the way. And tonight, CBS's Holly Williams is the first network correspondent to report from inside a plant in Britain that is gearing up to mass produce a potential COVID vaccine as we continue our series, Racing to a Cure. A second wave of infections is now hitting the United Kingdom, according to the country's Prime Minister, who said today it was inevitable. More than 10 million people here are already living under local lockdown, and with the government reportedly considering tough nationwide restrictions, we were given rare access to this sterile facility, where they're planning to start mass-producing COVID vaccines as early as November. Right now, they're training staff, filling glass vials with water. What's happening here at this facility is simply unprecedented. They're preparing to fill vials with a COVID vaccine before a vaccine has been approved. The circumstances are exceptional, and that has led to this kind of uh, exceptional work. Managing Director of Wokart UK, Ravi Lamay, told us they can produce up to 240 million doses of vaccine here in a year. But if the vaccine they start producing ultimately fails its safety tests, they'll simply have to throw it out. Is it a gamble to start packaging up millions of doses of a vaccine before it has that final approval? I won't say it's a gamble. I would say this is investment in public health. The Oxford vaccine, arguably the front-runner in the race to stop the new virus, despite a recent pause in its trial, will likely be produced here. The US government has given more than a billion dollars to the drug company behind it, AstraZeneca, to secure at least 300 million doses. Holly Williams, CBS News, Wrexham in the United Kingdom. And tonight we're learning of a new show of U.S. force in Syria. After several run-ins with Russian forces, the Pentagon is sending a small number of troops into northeastern Syria. This is new. Nearly 100 American troops are being deployed in part to stop Russia from interfering with the fight against ISIS. Tonight, police in Camden, New Jersey, are hunting for at least two suspects in a drive-by shooting at the home of two police officers. The officers and their 10-day-old infant were inside when six shots struck the house Tuesday. Police are calling it a targeted attack. Authorities are offering a $40,000 reward in the case. 
And for just the second time in history, the National Hurricane Center ran out of names today when Tropical Storm Wilfred formed in the Atlantic. Forecasters then turned to the Greek alphabet when the Tropical Storm Alpha formed off Portugal. Then Tropical Storm Beta popped up in the Gulf. It could dump heavy rain on Texas next week. And in Europe, a rare Metacane, that's a severe storm in the Mediterranean, is lashing the Greek islands with heavy rain and hurricane force winds. All right, bars are set to reopen in Las Vegas on Sunday night. But now there's word that nearly a thousand casino workers in the city have tested positive for COVID. More than half work at Wynn Las Vegas and Encore on the Vegas Strip. Hundreds more work at the Venetian and Palazzo. The vast majority have tested positive since casinos reopened in June. Finally tonight, some things are just meant to be. CBS's Steve Hartman has the story of a special delivery brought about by kindness. Here's tonight's On the Road. At this secondhand store in Baltimore, we found a first-rate fish story. Last week, someone posted a picture of this bizarre chair on a Facebook page called Weird Secondhand Finds That Just Need to Be Shared. And when Syracuse auto mechanic Emily Del Favaro saw that chair, she about had a cow because of what's on her calf. And here's the truly amazing part. Emily never owned the chair. She just saw it once, years ago, and felt strangely compelled to have it tattooed. That's the fate about it. I saw that chair and it was everything for me. You make it seem almost mystical. I believe that it is. Almost like you have to get the tattoo and you don't know why. Exactly. But answers were coming. After she posted a picture of her tattoo on that Facebook page. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Hundreds of women in the group felt a call to action. It belonged to her. You felt like Emily had to have this chair. A chair like that and a tattoo that matches, it's kismet. Like, it's serendipity. It just has to happen. So, even though none of these women had ever met, they started a GoFundMe. Raised $600 to buy the chair for this total stranger. And then devised a plan to personally deliver it. Perfect fit. First, Jen Gerard picked it up in Baltimore, drove it to Meredith, who drove it to Marianne, and so on, up Interstate 81, more than 300 miles. Sarah Edwards carried the precious cargo on its last leg. It is very similar to driving my children home from the hospital the first day they were born. Um, Nervousness, excitement. I can't even comprehend why anybody would want to do something like this for me. It's a legitimate question. And it very quickly was not about a chair anymore. It gave me something that I needed and I didn't know I needed. I think a lot of people are looking for ways to connect and looking for any excuse to connect. And if it's a fish chair, it's a fish chair. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Clearly, kindness can take many forms. I mean, we're, we're a fellowship. We're a fellowship of the fish chair. <laughs> but the best kind of kindness is always that random act. Oh, my God. That somehow makes people believe again. I did not need the chair, but I did need to be reminded that kindness lurks in even the weirdest little places. All we need to do is fish for it. Sarah, you did great. Steve Hartman, on the road in Syracuse, New York. She was always casting about for that chair. 
Coming up next week on the CBS Evening News, our series, America Decides, Battleground 2020. We're in Florida, a make-or-break state in nearly every presidential election. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital, and we want to wish everyone celebrating Rosh Hashanah a very happy new year. Just a reminder to stay positive and test negative, and good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.